Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. This is my Bible. It is God's word written to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I receive it as truth for my life today and open my heart to hear God speak a word and fill me with the Holy Spirit so that my life will be changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you know every time God's word goes out, in his heart, in his mind, he expects for it to land on hearts that are open and receptive and to bring fruitfulness in our lives. Amen. Did you know that? He doesn't anticipate that it's going to come back empty. He doesn't anticipate that it's going to hit your heart and not do anything in you. You know, the Bible says that the words of God, when they get into our heart, they actually are supernaturally energized and they begin to work on us and work on our behalf. And the Holy Spirit's in there stirring up the word. He's renewing our minds. He's he's helping us to catch God's perspective on living life with Jesus. And I am just 100% convinced every time. We open up in faith to God's word. He speaks to us, and his word is powerful, and it never, ever, ever returns void. Somebody say amen. Well, we've been on a series that we're calling Building a Strong Christian Life. Come on, does anybody want to build a weak one? No way, right? Building a Strong Christian Life. And the subtitle is Developing a Passion for Spiritual disciplines, spiritual disciplines. And we've covered a lot. This is our eighth message in this series. So if you've missed any of those, I want to encourage you, come on, go back to our website, lakeshorecf.com, and you can listen to those podcasts for free. We've covered things that just, if we get a hold of them, they'll just strengthen us and empower us and renew our minds and help us to live at a whole nother level in our relationship with God. God doesn't want you to be weak. God doesn't want you to live like the rest of the world outside of a relationship with him, like a pinball in a pinball machine just being bounced all over the place. No sure footing, no clear direction, no faith for anything, just kind of crossing your fingers and going through life. That's not God's will for his people. He's given us biblical, spiritual principles, and if we'll learn how to receive them and learn how to apply them, it will make a difference in your life. Some of you might think, well, Pastor Robert, of course, you're the pastor. You're supposed to say that. I haven't always been a pastor. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't want anything to do with God. I was living for the enemy. My parents had no control of me. I never really went to church. I got taken to church a couple times when I was a little boy. How many of you remember Awanas? Anybody ever remember Awanas? I only went to Awanas because he gave away free candy. Come on, they had Bible drills, right? Who can look up Matthew 6, And the first one to open it up as a little kid, I got it, I got it. And if you read it, they give you a big old Snickers. That's why I went to church. And then, then when I got a little older, just that wasn't for me. And it went off on the deep end. And I'm so grateful for a church in California that I went to. And I began to build a relationship with God. So, hey, listen, wherever you're at... God wants to take you in another step, a little deeper, a little closer. He wants you to become strong in your relationship with him. Jesus said, I have come that my followers may have life 
and life to the full. That's not ordinary human life. That's a life of God flowing in you and on you and through you and in your family and on your behalf. So as we lean into these, expect God to do something in your life. Well, turn with me to the book of James. James is towards the back of your Bible. Uh, if you've got an a app, that's real simple. Just look for James and click on your app and you'll be there. But James, the book of James, I think it's after Hebrews. And uh, James is a letter. James is the brother of Jesus. And uh, what's really cool about this, this letter, he, he kind of steps on our toes a little bit. Kind of gets into your life a little bit. But, but how many know speak the truth in love? Amen? So let me just give you a little bit of uh, information. So the book of James is very practical, and uh, it's emphasizing lifestyle rather than what his readers say they believe. Lifestyle, not just talk. And he, he wrote this letter to correct the shameful neglect of Christian duties. And in doing so, he analyzed the nature of genuine faith, and he urged his readers to demonstrate the validity of their experience with Christ. In 108 verses, he gives 54 clear commands. And the message of James speaks especially to people who are inclined to try to talk their way to heaven instead of walking their way to heaven. Come on, have anybody ever heard somebody say, hey, don't just talk the talk, walk the... That, that's where James is coming to us from, okay? So James chapter 4, and I just want us to read verse 10 as we get started. James chapter 4, verse 10, and uh, this is what the scripture says out of the New King James Version. Look at it with me. He says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Come on, can you read it with me or say it with me? You ready? Let's read it together. Come on. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Now, James was the brother of Jesus, so he's probably heard that before from Jesus, something along those lines. As a matter of fact, in Luke chapter 14, verse 11, let me just tell you what Jesus said in one time. He was giving a story to some religious leaders. This is what Jesus said, actual words of Jesus. He said, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. So I think that James has heard this from Jesus before. And James is bringing some correction to a whole bunch of church people who are not living as humble as they possibly could. As a matter of fact, when you read the context, there's some bickering going on and there's some things that they're doing that would cause people to think, hey, you're not even saved. You're living just like the rest of the world lives. There's plenty of grace there, church. We're still growing. But James is getting in their business and he's saying, listen, you can't be living full of pride. You got to humble yourselves. And as you humble yourself and put your trust in the Lord, he, in his timing, will lift you up. Somebody say, God lift me up. Come on. God lift me up. So the title of today's message is a passion for humility. A passion for humility. Say it with me, would you? A passion for humility. Let's just be honest. Everybody, most everybody wants to be exalted in some way or another. Uh, maybe we wouldn't say so. 
Uh, Maybe we don't feel like it all the time, but part of the motivation for living according to this world system is to get exaltation for ourselves. And and this comes in having the things we want, uh, getting the respect we feel we deserve, or in living in the comfort and the pleasure we crave. But we got to understand that God asks us to quit the world's way of pursuing those things. And instead, he calls us to trust him to exalt us when the time is right without trying to get that glory for ourselves and redirecting it back to him. That requires real humility. And we have to agree to make our daily lives not about ourselves, And God promises to make it about us when and how he sees fit. And that's how Jesus lived. Do you believe that that's how Jesus lived? And that's how Jesus wants his followers to live. He wants us to learn how to live in humility before God and before other people. I heard somebody say this. True humility is not looking down on yourself, but looking up to God. So true, true humility is not looking down on yourself, but, but we're looking up to God. In other words, we're putting our confidence and our trust in God, the way he's made us and the things he's asked us to do. And we're not, we're not fussing and fretting and fighting to, to climb the corporate ladder, so to speak. We're trusting the Lord and we're looking up to him. And as we're doing that, he promises to get us to the places where he needs us to be. He does promise us that. Let's look at a couple of words. First, the word humility or humble. It literally means to make low or to bring oneself low. Uh, It's a picture of a person who has reduced his own self-importance and his own self-reliance. That's where it differs from a secular or a world's way of defining humility. They would say, yeah, you got to reduce your own self-importance. But for Christians, it also includes reducing our own self-reliance because we're looking up to God and we're relying on him and we're trusting him. Now, I want to teach us some things about humility and what that looks like in our life. But I thought before I do that, I just want to show you a couple of things, maybe four ways that uh, pride very subtly sneaks into someone's life, especially a Christian, okay? Uh, I'm not going to go in depth. I just want to list a couple things, and you can think about them, and then we'll move forward, okay? One of the ways that pride can be identified in my life is in fault-finding, fault-finding. While pride causes us to filter out the evil we see in ourselves, it also causes us to filter out God's goodness in others. We sift them, Letting only their faults fall into our perception of them. When I'm sitting in a sermon or studying a passage from the Bible, it's pride that prompts the terrible temptation to skip the spirit surgery on my own heart. And instead, I draft a mental blog post or a plan, a potential conversation for the people who really need to hear this. Fault finding. Lord, search me for fault finding. Here's a second way that pride tries to sneak into our life. Superficiality. Superficiality. When pride lives in our hearts, we're far more concerned with others' perceptions of us 
than the reality of our hearts. We fight the sins that have an impact on how others view us, and we make peace with the ones that no one else sees. We have great success in the areas of holiness that have high visible accountability, but little concern for the disciplines that happen in secret. So superficiality, you want, you want everybody to see it, right? Kind of fake, kind of fake too, right? I'm not talking to you, I'm teaching us, okay? So don't, don't take that personal. Uh, here's another way pride tries to sneak in. Listen to this, uh, desperate for attention. We become desperate for attention. Pride is hungry for attention, respect, and worship in all of its forms. Maybe it sounds like shameless boasting about ourselves. Maybe it's being unable to say no to anyone because we need to be needed. Maybe it looks like obsessively thirsting for marriage or fantasizing about a better marriage because you're hungry to be adored. Maybe it looks like being haunted by your desire for the right car. Guilty or the right house, or the right title at work, all because you seek the glory that comes from men, not from God. So that's subtle, but, but this desperation for attention sneaks in there. And so we have to be careful. We have to be careful. Here's another one. We might not necessarily think of this one, but I think it's a good one. Neglecting others. Pride subtly sneaks into our hearts when we're neglecting others. Let me tell you what I mean. Pride prefers some people over others. It honors those who the world deems worthy of honor, giving more weight to their words, their wants, and their needs. There's a thrill that goes through me when people with power acknowledge me. We consciously or unconsciously pass over the weak, the inconvenient, and the unattractive because they don't seem to offer us much in return. So, so these are areas that we have to guard our heart towards, right? And just because I'm a Christian, that doesn't necessarily mean that the enemy won't take me with pride. It doesn't mean that I've got this down. So uh, I'm not asking you to viciously look for things in your life. I'm just saying we need to be aware of how subtle pride is. Most people who are in pride probably don't even know they are. It's, it's, it's subtle it's sly, it's sneaky, it's the enemy. So Pastor Robert, okay, I get that. But, but why should I choose to walk in humility? Feels better when I walk in pride. <laughs> Feels better when all the attention's on me. Well, you got to remember, James is talking to Christians. And we are Christians. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, this, this is for you as a Christian, right? So a Christian is learning to renew his mind. A Christian is learning how to submit his life to the will of God. We're not perfect, but we're leaving room for him to shape us and mold us so that we're walking in line with scriptural truth, right? So this is important for us. Three reasons why you should choose humility. And I'm going to just start with James chapter 4, verse 6. Let's go up a little bit to James 4, 6, the back half. This is what he says. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's in James chapter 4. The back half is verse 6. What does the word resists mean? I want to share it with you. Um, this word resists in the Greek, the New Testament is Greek, antitasso. It's important. Listen, anti, 
A-N-T-I, that means against. Against. The second part of the word, tasso, T-A-S-S-O, it means to place in order or to arrange. So resist means to arrange oneself against another, to oppose, hinder, stop, or resist him. And think about that in light of the scripture. God resists the proud. What's proud? Proud, this is another, this is another good Greek word. Hooper ephanos. I want to explain it. Listen, hooper ephanos. Hooper, H-Y-P-E-R. That means over, above, and beyond. Hooper, hooper ephanos. And phano is the second part of that word. P-H-A-I-N-O. Listen, phano means to appear or to shine. To shine, okay? So, taken together, a proud person works to make himself appear over or shine over above and beyond others around him. You ever know anybody like that? Don't look at your neighbor. Don't look at your spouse if they're sitting with you. But we've probably encountered people like that at some point in the workplace or uh, some gathering. Um, so that, that's an important verse. So here's the first reason why you and I should choose humility. Number one, God resists prideful people. Yikes. Now, doesn't mean he doesn't love us. Doesn't mean he kicks us out of the family, right? But, but that's not characteristic of Jesus, and we're followers of Jesus, so he wants us to learn to be less and less prideful. Amen? And, and the more prideful we are, the more he, he resists us. And so we don't want God, if, if there's anybody you don't want resisting you, come on somebody, is we don't want God resisting us. Isn't that true? We want God's help. We want God's moving on our behalf. Proverbs 29, 23 says this, a man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. Proverbs 29, 23, a lot of scriptures about this. And a big part of pride is trusting in your own way over God's way. So it's not just I want all the attention, it's I'm not looking to God to, to do for me. That's, that's part of pride too. So uh, I was thinking about this, and last Sunday was such a great Sunday. We had about 21 kiddos with us, and we had an awesome message. Come on, somebody say amen. No, you, that's prideful, Robert. Don't say that. No, I'm just kidding. We had a great day on Sunday. We had hot dogs, and the kids were all lined up there wanting to serve us some food, and it was just a fun family day. And I thought about what they were taught last Sunday. This is what they were taught last Sunday. You are not too small to do big things. Come on, amen. That's good, good teaching for the kids, right? And then I thought about that, and I thought, God doesn't want us as adults to get so big to do small things. And, and I, I, listen, God's still working on me in this area. I am not perfect. There have been major, major mistakes that I've made over the years. Uh, on this one occasion, though, I was thinking about someone. And um, I asked this person if he would lead our guest services team. And he said, Pastor Robert, I'm beyond that now. I, I should be doing other things. And I know what he was talking about. He wanted to be up here preaching the messages. He wanted to be given some more platform time uh, to, to, to be speaking and teaching and so on and so forth. 
But I really got a glimpse of the man's heart when he was unwilling to do something else other than what he was fixated on doing, right? And so I think, I think that's so appropriate for us. God doesn't want us to get so big that we're not willing to do the small things. Amen. I still clean the toilets. David and I clean the toilets. David and I vacuum. We, we empty the trash. We do what, I'm not saying that, that nobody else is doing that. I'm just saying we can't get so full of ourselves that we're unwilling to yield and, and do whatever it is that God needs us to do or God wants us to do. When that begins to happen, I, in my life personally, I can feel a resistance from the Lord. And he, he, doesn't, want, he doesn't want to resist us. He wants to help us. Um, let's go back to James chapter 4. Verse 6, again, the back half. Let me read it again. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. How many of you ever heard of King Saul? King Saul. Barbara heard of King Saul in the Bible. Um, God chooses King Saul. God chooses Saul to be the king over all Israel. And uh, God, on this one particular occasion, he was very specific about what he wanted King Saul to do. And King Saul missed it. He was disobedient for various reasons. And one of the reasons was he said, God, your people wanted me to do this. So, you know, I did what they wanted me to do. And I, I did this. Uh, you can be sure that I did this. And, and then the prophet comes on the scene. The prophet is the man of God who speaks on God's behalf as a representative of God. His name was Samuel. And he comes on the scene and he says, hey, Saul, what's going on? You, you didn't do what God asked you to do. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Then, then why do I hear sheep? Why am I hearing animals? God told him to just annihilate everything. It was evil. It was wicked. God, God said, kill all the animals. Oh, you know, those were the good animals. We didn't want to get rid of the good animals after all. You want us to have good animals, right? He disobeyed. He disobeyed. And this wasn't the first time. God was patient with him. God was gracious with him. But in 1 Samuel 15, 17, it says this. So Samuel said to Saul, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over all Israel? In other words, he was saying, Saul, there was a time when you were humble. There was a time when you were little in your own eyes. As a matter of fact, the Bible refers to the fact that Saul was really not wanting to step into this. He was kind of hiding. He didn't want to be selective for that because he was little in his own eyes. And then after time, he became prideful. He became puffed up. And because of that, he was pulled out from being the king over Israel. And his ending was not good. I'm not saying that's going to happen to you. I'm just saying that we got to be careful because we're in, we're in pride, God resists that. And we're just not going to get to the place where God wants us to be. So here's the second reason, if you're taking notes mentally or on paper. We're talking about reasons why you and I should choose humility. Bible says God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Reason number two, you should select humility. Ready? God gives grace to the humble. Would you say it with me, church? Come on. God gives grace to the humble. Now, I, I do want to clarify something about the word grace. Many of you probably have heard it. You understand it. Um, but I, I just want to share something, okay? I want you to think of grace this way. Grace is both a quality of the nature of God and 
an influence of God working in us and on our behalf. It's both. It's something that's part of his nature. He's gracious and he extends grace. He gives us what we don't deserve like salvation. By grace, you have been saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a gift of God. That's the grace of God. He allows us to be saved and we come into the family. The word grace is the Greek word charis, C-H-A-R-I-S. It means simply undeserved divine blessing and favor. You could just simplify it that way. It's used 156 times in the New Testament. But how many of you would agree that once you're saved, you don't necessarily need the grace to get saved anymore, right? You're already in the family. But we still need grace operating in our lives. We still need grace working on our behalf. And um, I want to show you a scripture of what that might look like. 1 Corinthians 15.10 says this, listen. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, not I, but the grace of God which is with me. So the apostle Paul was saying, listen, by God's grace, he's made me what I am. He, he pulled me out from someone who was uh, dragging Christians away to prison and watching them get killed because that's, that's what he did, right? He was formerly Saul, and then he became the Apostle Paul. He, he, he welcomed me into the ministry. Uh, he, he's, he's, he's done so much on my behalf. He's given me great revelation of who Jesus is, and, and Paul was being used in a powerful way. He's saying, by God's grace, by his unmerited favor and divine blessing, God has made me what I am. So that's good. He's, he's been made this man of God and God's using him. But then he goes on and he says, and his grace toward me was not in vain. It wasn't empty. It wasn't useless. It accomplished some things. And I love this part. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. In other words, the grace of God has a way of supernaturally expanding your capacities as a follower of Christ. Supernaturally giving you the power, the enabling ability to be a great mom, to be a great dad, not perfect, but to be able to shoulder the weight and the responsibility of parenthood, not in your own strength, in the strength of and the power of the grace of God working in you and through you. Amen. Come on, how many of you need the grace of God working on your behalf? If you want more grace of God working on your behalf, not just as being a parent, being an employee, uh, being a student, what every area of your life has you to do, God's grace is available like wind in a sail out in sea. It wants to come in and it wants to push you forward in your life. It wants to enable you to be everything God's called you to be wants to enable you to do everything that God's called you to do, especially the things that are impossible in and through your own strength. It's the grace of God working in you and on your behalf that will increase the capacity in you for God to move in and through your life. Amen? That's part of the grace of God. That's part of the grace of God. I know that I've seen that in my life. Over the years, little by little by little, I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. I'm so, so grateful that God has found us faithful and he's put us in the ministry. And over the years, we've seen so many people who just seem like that should happen for you, but 
God's power, God's grace, God's supernatural uh, grace moving in and on behalf of people. And God wants to move in your life. But listen, he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. How many of you want to experience more of God's grace? How many of you want God's grace flowing in your life, flowing on your life, in your family? Jesus is probably the perfect and the ultimate example of walking in humility and then God lifting him up. Look at E, Philippians. Philippians. If you have a Bible, Galatians, Ephesians, what's the next one? Philippians, right? Philippians chapter 2, real quick. This is what it says, verse 8, talking about Jesus. And being found in human form, remember, Jesus is God. And Jesus has always been. But Jesus was born as a baby and he took on human form. He didn't have to. He did it because he wanted to restore relationship with us with God. So he took on human form. Listen, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross, verse 9, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. He humbled himself. He, he, he died a criminal's death. He shed his blood. He was ridiculed. He was spit upon. He was shamed in, in public. Why did he do all of that? He did that because he loves you. And he did that because he loves me. He lowered himself to the lowest point that a human being could ever be lowered, lowered to. And, and doing that, knowing he was God, he did that because he loves us. And then the Bible says that because he did that, God exalted him and his name above every name. The Bible says one day every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. So Jesus retains now this honor. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's the ultimate example uh, of what it means to rely on God, to, to do in you, and to do for you what God wants to do on and through your life. But we have to learn to walk in humility. You know, a prideful person sometimes... Uh, this, isn't, this isn't necessarily in my notes, but I think it's worth mentioning. Sometimes pride is, is rooted in insecurity. Because I'm insecure, I come way over here and I'm trying to compensate for my insecurity. So now I'm being a showboat. I'm being a glory hog. I want all the attention. Anybody know anybody like that? I was like that when I was a kid. I was like the class clown. I was a chubby little kid. And uh, I was very insecure. I wore glasses. Some of you are like, it hasn't even changed. Look at this guy. <laughs> but, but, but it really, really affected me. And because I was insecure, I, I always had to have attention. And I'm going to be honest. Uh, that rooted itself in my life. And then it went to the extreme when I became 17 and 18. And I'm not chubby anymore because I'm working out six days a week. And I'm, 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 I'm watching my diet. And I wasn't serving God. And I wanted to look good. It wasn't for God. It was for girls. Just being honest. But, but, but why? Because at the heart level, I was insecure. 
And so it was coming out in pride and I was off track and it got me outside of God's best and it got me in trouble and I suffered a lot of pain and misdirected decisions in my life. And I have to keep pushing that back. And the truth is, if we're honest, all of us could be insecure at times. One way or another, I could probably bet that every single one of us could say, yeah, I'm insecure about that. As we're closing right now, I'm going to share one last thing, and then I'm going to pray. Because God, God doesn't want us to be insecure. God doesn't want pride to root its ugly head and to keep us from his grace and from his best. Here's the third reason why you should choose humility. You ready? Humility is God's way to promotion. It's God's way to promotion. James 4.10, listen. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Anybody need a promotion in life? Anybody need the favor of God working on your life in one way or another? Well, it comes through learning how to walk in humility. Humility. Uh, So, Pastor Robert, what do I do? What do I do moving forward because I want God's grace in my life? Well, one, you have to realize that God resists prideful people. If there's any pride in your life, just renounce it. What does that look like? Father, I renounce pride. I renounce trying to get me to where I want to get without your help. I renounce trying to get all the tension on me. I renounce it. I, I, I put myself back in the care of your hands, God. So that's the first thing you got to do. You got to renounce pride. If there's any pride in your life, ask God to forgive you. Ask God to help you with that, to do away with it, and to keep you from stepping back into it. The second thing you want to do is you want to remember that God gives grace to the humble. God, with your help, want to walk in humility. That doesn't mean you become a doormat for anybody. That means that you're secure in who God's made you to be in spite of my imperfections. I'm secure because I'm trusting the Lord and I'm going to walk in humility. I'm going to prefer others before myself. I'm going to prefer God and his way above me and my way. That's humility. I'm going to, I'm going to surrender my will to God's will. That's humility, right? So you want to learn to do that. And, and the last thing you want to do, this is what you got to do. You got to make a decision to walk in that. Walk in humility. Not just say, I want to be humble, but I'm going to walk in humility. I want to prefer God's way. And when you do that, his grace just comes in and he does for you what you could never do on your own. Someone here might be thinking, Pastor Robert, that sounds very spiritual, but like, I need help in the area of finances. Like, I'm really struggling. Seems like I'm living check to check. Everything's going up. And I'm short. That's very practical, and God cares about that. One of the ways that we can have him to help us in those areas is we turn from trusting in my ability to fix that and just surrender to him and trust in his ability. Pastor Robert, that's spiritual. That doesn't help my bank account. Let me tell you what will help your bank account. Get that book that I mentioned earlier. Doing Money God's Way. Somebody right here right now needs to hear that. 
you're struggling with your finances, you can't get a handle on them, you feel like you're sinking, God wants you to learn to do money His way. If you'll get that book and you'll begin to read it, little by little, the Holy Spirit will help you to reorganize some things. And then the grace of God is going to begin to fill your life and He's going to begin to turn your finances around and He's going to get you a place where you not only have enough for yourself, but you have enough to be a little blessing to other people. God wants to do that for you. How many, did anybody believe that? Is that for anybody here? And I'm stepping out right now, a little bit of faith right now, but is anybody struggling financially? You need God to move in your life that way? Anybody? Nobody? Yeah? One person? Anybody else? Barbara? Two, anybody else? Yeah? Three, Chris, anybody else? Finances. Anybody? Three people? Everybody else good financially? Okay. The grace of God. I failed to mention this, and, and I think I would be wrong if I, if I didn't mention it. The Bible says in John chapter 1, you go look at it. Somewhere around, I don't know, verse 14, 17. It says that Jesus gives grace for grace. He gives grace for grace. It's like being at the beach and you're sitting on the sand and your tank's being refreshed and refueled. Anybody feel that with me? And you're watching the waves. And one wave after another is rolling on the sand. It's just never runs out. Wave after wave. That's the kind of grace he wants to flow in your life. Grace for grace. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, he wants the grace that he supplies to fill you, to supernaturally give you the capacity to push through it until things begin to turn. Come on. Finances. Does anyone here need the grace of God to just flow wave after wave after wave in their life? so that God can begin to increase their capacity to do whatever he needs to do to get things turned around. Is that anybody in here? Come on. If you need prayer for your finances or you just need the grace of God to just flow in your life, I want to pray for you before we leave. Would you just stand to your feet? Don't come up here. Just stand to your feet if that's you. Finances, or you just need the grace of God. There are things that you're going through that are tough, that are hard, they're heavy, and you just need God's grace. Could be family, it could be finances, could be work. If that's you, I want to just pray for you before we leave. Those of you that are seated, just agree with me as we pray for these people, these precious people. Father, we just thank you for the grace of God. We thank you for the grace that Jesus provides wave after wave after wave. Father, we thank you that you're a God that supplies all of our need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you that your word says that you're able to make all grace abound towards us so that we, always having all sufficiency, may have an abundance for every good work. Father, I declare your grace over these precious people right now. Grace in the area of finances. Grace in the area of life. Enlarge your capacity supernaturally by the power of the Holy Spirit to move through whatever they might be going through so that you can begin to turn things around. I declare grace over them. Father, I pray that you give them the grace 
to understand the directional changes that they might need to make so that you can come in in a, in a mighty and a powerful way, Father. I thank you that you give them understanding and direction. If there's a course that needs to be changed, Lord, I pray that you would show that to them. Don't keep it from them. Reveal it to them. And then because of your grace, I know you're going to help them to make the adjustment. So, Father, I declare your blessing and I declare your grace over every single person that's standing right now, Father, supernaturally. The grace of God is overtaking them, empowering them, and increasing their capacity, supplying all of their need. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.